It is Tuesday, November 9th. This is Jaguars Happy Hour. And now, a guy who gets his hair cut once a week just for the scalp massage, J.P. <laughs> Shadrick. It's all I have left. <laughs> Welcome in. It's Jaguars Happy Hour. It's Tuesday. It's November 9th, as Joe said. My name's J.P. Shadrick. We've got a busy show, busy couple hours, in fact, for you here on Jaguars Radio. Jaguars analyst Jeff Lagerman coming up shortly. We'll recap week number nine, the Jaguars over the Bills, 9-6. to six. A defensive gem for the Jags this past Sunday. And then we'll look ahead to week 10. They'll need another one against the Indianapolis Colts, who can run the daylights out of it. Up at Lucas Oil Stadium, that's in week 10. Head coach Urban Meyer joins us on the Urban Meyer Show. That's at 5 o'clock on the Jaguars radio network. Now, of course, the Jaguars get the win 9-6 to over the Bills. Defense dominated the day, dominated the top-scoring offense in football, held them to just over 300 yards of offense this past week, took the ball away from them three times. With a couple of interceptions and a fumble recovery, the offense struggled in that game against the Buffalo Bills, though. They dropped some opportunities, one of those in the end zone. Luke Farrell had another one. Just did enough to get into field goal range th- three different, well, actually four different times. They missed a field goal in a sequence. We'll talk about that later. But they made three field goals. They did just enough to get the win. The defense was key. Urban Meyer Monday, though, met the media, and yes, he loves the locker room. And that's a team that I made a comment in the press call, I'll fight for this locker room against anybody, anywhere. I mean, these are good guys that are fighting for each other. You know, you saw, it might be fun to go watch, but Dan uh, Arnold made that great catch on the sideline. And it's Smoot, Josh Allen, uh, and a handful of grabbing them and picking them up. And, and it was, uh, I love being around these guys. Uh, Jeff Logman joins us now, Jaguars analyst. Yeah, loves that locker room. It's a good group. We saw some video after the game of you know guys coming in off the field, picking up Urban, in fact, in the hallway right outside the locker room, and everybody's excited after a winning result. That's what winning does, right? Yeah. Uh, you, you love the locker room when you win, and you hate it when you lose, and that's just kind of how it goes. But uh, I thought that was a fantastic win. It was a game that nobody gave him a chance, including me. And it was a game that there was major concern that this team could get run out by halftime. I mean, that's, that's how many people thought it would go. And for them to play and outperform the NFL's top defense the way that they did to hold a Buffalo Bills offense to season lows, essentially in every important category, which is points, yards, and also the opposing quarterback rating, which has been an area of concern, major concern for the Jaguars. That was outstanding. Yeah, especially with the week prior. Geno Smith starts 14 out of 14 and and had his highest career completion percentage. Just stood back there all day. They didn't let Josh Allen stand back there all day. They uh, dialed up some pressure on him. Well, I think think the, the result of Seattle, I think, motivated this football team. I mean, how could it not? When, when Miles Jack is up at the podium in Seattle and says that this was embarrassing, humiliating, whatever term was that he used, yeah. I mean, that was, that was from the heart. And so when you have something like that happen, I think you take a good, good hard look at, at what you're doing and make sure that you can kind of clean it up. But yeah, I, I thought it was great. I mean, it, uh, 
Uh, and the best thing was that, you know, when the game is starting, you know, they're getting ready to start, you're looking around in the stadium, and all of a sudden you're seeing the bright blue and red. I mean, there was a lot of Buffalo Bills fans, and it's typical. I mean, Bills fans will travel, and, and credit to them. Uh, the Bills Mafia is awesome. And they were in the stadium early because they don't know anything else to do, right? So the Jaguar fans a little bit later, more casual, getting their seat. But when it came down to the importance – I mean, the Jaguar fans were so much louder than the Bills fans, and it was it was special. I mean, it's it's been a long time since that stadium rocked like that now, and and it was good to see and it was good to feel. Now I'm going to be careful with this statement, but I know it's one game, right? One defensive performance, overreaction Tuesday. But it was a shade of 2017. They did that all season in 2017. Pressures, takeaways. You know, had an attitude about them. This felt like a little bit of that. They've got to go prove it again down the line. Yeah, and yes. that's the hard part. It's a step in the right direction. Yeah, that's the hard part. Is it okay? You did it once. Now you you prove that you can do it. Now mm-hmm. you need to do it again, and that's that's not easy to do. You know, two takeaways on the season that were both interceptions, and then all of a sudden you end up a game against the number one scoring offense in the league, and you get three takeaways, and you get your season's first forced fumble which uh, I don't think it was, like, intentional. Smoot didn't tackle Josh Allen and try to rip the ball out. Doesn't matter, Just the though. contact hey, itself knocked it out, and Perfect. that's what it takes sometimes. Nearly had another one, too, but it was uh, – It got, yeah, yeah, got, got recovered over. Yeah. by the Buffalo Bills. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it was a, a strong performance, and there were so many players that played well across the board. And, you know, Josh Allen's kind of leading the way and gets a lot of the talk, but there's many other guys. I mean, heck – Taven Bryan, who has been widely criticized and and uh, hadn't had a very productive career yet, all of a sudden he has a two-sack game. And uh, uh, the one sack that he had was a great pass rush and does a nice swim move on the guard. The other one probably not so good because he didn't go where he was supposed to go, but it worked out good, and and he got the sack. And so uh, – I mean, when when and I thought the 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 defensive line group as a whole played really well, and I kind of expected them to play well. I thought that the quarterback play might be able to cover up for it a little mm. bit because Josh Allen has has got the mobility factor, but the Buffalo Bills offensive line was a little bit in in kind of flux because they were missing two starters, and uh, they ended up kind of mixing and matching some guys at some positions, and they didn't play very well up front. And uh, you can say either that or you can say that the Jaguars played better up front. I'll I'll say both happened. Yeah. That the Bills weren't a great offensive line. But some of the Jaguars' defensive front guys played their best best games. Taven Bryan was one. And I thought Roy Robertson Harris played his best game as a Jaguar yet, even though the numbers weren't staggering from him. It was a different-looking, feeling defense just from the way it was called, I think. You know, you had Josh Allen back in coverage. We've seen that some this year. He had the interception. But a lot of times there's pressure coming from different areas and then guys are stepping back in coverage. And especially against a, an offensive line in Buffalo that had some guys out, that's a lot of moving parts to, to keep up with. Well, and, and uh, the Buffalo Bills love and then what their core offense is all about is three wide receivers, 11 personnel. And 11 personnel, just to simplify, it means one back, Okay, and one tight end. So that's the one and one. And then the unspoken number is always the wide receivers. Okay, so 11 personnel is one tight end, one back, three wide receivers, which is Buffalo plays all the time. And so it's a little bit easier, I think, to maybe dial in and and maybe expand some of the things that you want to do 
because they don't run a they don't run four tight ends. Hell, they only got two tight ends on the <laughs> roster, and they right. elevated one from the practice squad just to have two for the game because one of them was a scratch from injury. So, I think that made it a little bit easier. But but I I'm a big believer, and that's you want to make sure that you're simplistic enough to where your team can play fast and they can be locked in. And I thought the the biggest, I would say the biggest, I don't want to say the biggest credit, one of the biggest changes that they had from previous weeks was the lack of substitutions or the minimizing of wholesale changes in personnel groupings. For example, in Seattle, there was two instances of 12 men on the field. They're trying to shuffle defensive linemen and on and off the field. And in this game, you didn't see a lot of that. And I think because they didn't do a lot of that, it allowed the players to really hone in, lock in on what they're supposed to do. Because perfect example, JP, if I'm a linebacker mm-hmm. and I'm Miles Jack and I'm, I got the green dot and I'm trying to get everybody lined up and, and communicate with everybody – but then you add to that, I'm trying to figure out, do we got 11 on the field? Do we have 12 or do we have 10? And I'm trying to figure out who's running off and who's running on yeah. and which guy do I need to talk to. If I'm doing all that, here's the thing. I'm not getting us lined up and where we need to be. And on top of that, I'm not thinking about what I need to do against what I'm seeing out of the opponent. And so simplifying it a little bit by not having a lot of these substitution things, I think helped them a little bit. Let's get a little more into the Jaguars' Josh Allen day. Well, we heard him after the game, of course, you know, talking about, hey, he heard some of the noise, the Josh Allen versus Josh Allen conversation. He had his career day, eight tackles, all solo, a sack, two tackles for loss, an interception, his first career pick, and a fumble recovery. Josh Allen, I'm just seeing it before he goes and does it. Got to make those plays when my plays, you know, when my numbers call. Uh, I mean, for me, I visualize everything. Uh, I'm a visualized person. Uh, I like to speak plays, you know, I like to speak greatness into my head. So, you know, when it happens, I'm not surprised. You know what I mean? So I know I work my butt off. We all work our butts off in practice to get, you know, to get right for this week. And uh, I feel like I had a great week of preparation. I feel like I was in a great mindset. And, you know, got to go out there and play. This season has been building, especially the last month, it feels like, for Josh Allen. You know, he had the tackle for loss down around the goal line, which was a big play on a first down play at another TFL in the game, and then a sack, all that stuff. But the last few weeks, week five, seven tackle game, half a sack, couple quarterback hits. Week six in London, seven tackles, quarterback hit, pass defensed. Week eight, Seattle, six tackles, couple of sacks in that game later in the game, but he had four tackles for loss against the Seahawks, and then it builds up to this one. This is, you know, we, he's been to a Pro Bowl. We get it. He's a, a really good player. Uh, coming off the injury last year, there was some. Can he get back to that form? He's back to that form right well, now. Well, let me let me let me add this too. He, he's not doing it alone. Okay, uh, the goal line play that you just talked about that we just showed first and goal from the three or whatever it was, and he has a, a TFL. Gotsis gets great penetration. Okay, go to last week's sack that he had against Seattle, and you have great penetration on a TE by Taven Bryan that allows a downhill pass rush game move by Josh Allen. So, I mean, he's not doing it alone. I mean, other guys are playing well, too, to, yeah. to, that help him. 
And uh, but that's and, what happens most times, right? On good defenses. That's what you want. You want good performances, building and and making other performances better. And uh, Josh was really good. The the most impressive thing about Josh JP is I, I call this football IQ. Okay, and to, to to try to break it down for you, Josh is incredibly smart and aware on the football field, and what awareness does. For example, when the play snapped, Josh sees things faster than other people. And so since he's seeing things faster than other people or recognizing things faster, it now allows him the advantage that the physical reaction is happening sooner. So people say, gosh, he's so quick. Well, he's quick because the mental IQ is high, and so the body's moving faster, quicker than other people. And on top of that, he's got a great physical skill set. I mean, we know he's you know he's super athletic and he's fast and and all of those things. But but the football IQ is what makes him what he is. And there's other players that we've seen in the past that have played here that we watch on other teams that they just don't have the awareness. The ball runs by him, they don't even know it. Yeah. But with Josh. He's got the football IQ. Another guy that, that has it, too, that's playing well is, is Dwan Smoot. I mean, Smoot plays hard every week. The, the stop, the cause fumble that he had on Josh Allen, uh, we're going to actually draw that up uh, on yeah. uh, Jaguars yes. All Access. Love okay? it. Yes. And the reason that, that was a good play is the Jaguars are playing man, which was not something they played a lot of in the game. And it was a, a short situation where, hey, look, you got to get a stop. And uh, critical moments where so they're playing aggressive, they're playing man, and they've got everybody in a gap. Well, the one guy that kind of has two gaps on that play is Smoot because if the read option comes, he doesn't have a single responsibility. If the, if the back gets the ball, he's got to tackle the back downhill, closing on, on the whole formation. And here we're looking at it now. So if the back got the ball, he was responsible for making that tackle. Josh Allen keeps it. Guess what? He's responsible for making that, too. He made it. It it was a great read and a great reaction. And then to add on top of that, a sure tackle. And the athletic skills to, to, you know, because Josh tried to give him a little fake and go underneath of him. And and he didn't. He just, he was on top of it. You know, so love the way that Smoot's playing. And uh, he's been playing well as, as, as well as Josh Allen has been playing over the last number you know, three, four, five weeks, whatever it's been, I think Smoot's been been playing well as well. Quarterback hit in six of the seven games that he's played this year for Dewan Smoot, and a sack in three of the last four. I mean, that's he's there you go, getting hot. Three, three sacks in the consistent. last four games. I mean, that's about as as good as you can get. And uh, and I think the coaching staff. And here's the reality: when you have a new coaching staff, sometimes it takes a little bit of time for them to figure out mm-hmm. what they got. I mean, I, I even think like James Robinson, when this coaching staff comes in here, they, they don't really truly understand what James Robinson is. I think that was clear in the offseason training camp, too, when they're trying right? to – Yeah, absolutely. And then all of a sudden, then they see him in a game, and they're like oh, – uh, Five and a half a carry? This we'll guy's he's different, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and I think the same thing is, is true sometimes when, when you got a guy like Smoot and that you're trying to understand, you know, what kind of a role he can play and how good he is. And the one thing I've always appreciated about Smoot, he plays hard, and he plays hard every week. And as a coach and as a fan, I think that's that's all you can ask. 
is to have a player that's committed, that plays hard and shows up every week, and that's exactly what Smoot does, and he gives you his all. I mean, Rudy Ford, we haven't even talked about him. <laughs> I know, right? I mean, where, did, where the hell did he come from? <laughs> I mean, it's incredible. He's a special teams guy. That's why he came here. And then, hey, let's put him in. He's a great special teams coverage guy. Let's put him in on nickel, see what he can do. And I mean, it's his it, third career start ever. He's been in the league for a number of years now. Oh, he's what, fifth year? Yeah. And, like, fifth okay, year let's start him. Out of Auburn. And he's got kind of the measurables of a safety. He's six foot, 210. And, uh, I mean, in fact, that's kind of where they had him on the depth chart. And so the season starts out. You know, they try uh, Tyson Campbell at nickel, and they decided to leave him at the corner spot. And then they put Trey Herndon in there, and then they try Chris Claybrooks, and they try right. Nevin Lawson a little sure, bit. Sure. <laughs> you know, they're like, they're, they're still looking. And, and all of a sudden, you know what? Hey, uh, this, this guy that's playing special teams for us, you know, does a really good job on special teams. You know, let's see what he can do. Playing defense, and he has been—he's been solid. It's been great, but he's been really solid, and uh, and I like lo- like the way he has been tackling, because the nickel. Remember, when you go to nickel, you're taking a linebacker out. So yeah, in a lot right. of formations, the nickel has to tackle. Uh, whoever plays nickel ha- has to be able to say, "I'm not scared of contact, and I'm willing to take on some big boys." Aaron Colvin told me one time, "If you're playing nickel." You gotta have some dog in you. You gotta have I think some dog. Rudy in Ford's you. got some. In he's him. got a lot of dog in him, and he's got a great. He's a he's very physical, and that's what I like about him. And he's a really good tackler. And here's the crazy thing, JP. He's still making tackles on kickoff coverage and special teams. <laughs> of course he is. Yeah, of course. He it is. didn't take him off of all of them just because no. he's a starting nickel. No. He's still playing some of the core teams. Can he get open on, in routes? I'm curious. Well, he I, can't. No, let's well, not do that. Okay. Let's not let's, put let's, too much okay. on his we'll plate. Hold off there. Uh, let's uh, come back in a moment. And speaking of offense, we'll hear from Trevor Lawrence, Jaguars quarterback on the injury and the ankle issue in the game last week and his thoughts around that after he spoke after the game last week. PRI Productions, the official event production company of the Jags, has everything you need to bring your next idea to life. Visit PRIproductions.com. And it's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Hard Rock Sportsbook Digital Network. Jaguars Happy Hour is brought to you by DreamFinders Homes, homes that fit your lifestyle. And by Baptist Health, changing healthcare for good. Yeah, no, I thought it was a lot worse than after, you know, some time. And we scanned it and it was good and then put a little bit of weight on it. Gradually, I was feeling better and better, give it a little bit of time. Um, it helped, but man, it was, it was cool to see CJ go in there and be ready and just threw a couple great balls. That one to Ag was a freaking dime that he threw, so that was, that was cool to see him just go in there and, and be ready. That, of course, is Trevor Lawrence. He's the Jaguars' starting quarterback, and this is Jaguars Happy Hour. J.P. Shadrick with Jeff Lagerman coming up at 5 o'clock. It's the Urban Meyer Show. Head coach Urban Meyer joins us on the Jaguars Radio Network. Hard Rock Sportsbook must be 21 and physically present in Florida to wager. Concerned about gambling? Please call 1-800-522-4700. Presenting sponsor of the Jaguars Digital Network. That one made everybody hold their breath for about 20 minutes or so of real time, I think. 15, 20 minutes when Trevor Lawrence took the uh, hit from Walker Little's back foot being pushed back and got the ball free and then Hit his ankle, down he goes. He can't even walk by himself up the tunnel. And it's like, oh, no, this is not <laughs> happening, right? What in the yeah. world? Now? Yeah, it was uh, 
two thoughts were kind of going through my head. First one, obviously, was, oh, no, uh, you don't need this happening to your rookie quarterback because you don't want to lose any, any, any minute of development in the first year. And number two is, I was like, Walker Little gets his first start, yeah, and all people right. are going to talk about is that he got pushed back and he stepped on the quarterback's foot and he hurt him and he took him out. I mean, that's not the way you want to start your right. your NFL career's first start out with. But uh, but thank goodness he came back, and so now it's just a it's just a, a an afterthought now or a side note. I mean, from the way he went off the field with athletic trainer in one arm and team doctor in the other to coming out running sprints, going back in the game, uh, that's that's pretty tough now well, for the quarterback. We were we were in the in the radio booth, you know, me and Tony and Frank and and Dave and Cush and. We're sitting there, and at first somebody throws out their Achilles, and I was like, "Don't say that! <laughs> Don't you dare got a team full of doctors that. in the radio booth now? I didn't know that." <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I mean, fortunately, thank goodness. Yeah, uh, but I mean, that's because at first you could, we couldn't see the replay to where you saw Walker Little stepping on yeah. the ankle. Mm-hmm. So now you're thinking at first that. You know, when a quarterback plants that back foot, that yeah, that's right. You know, right. so uh, and then we finally kind of saw a different replay that showed where he got stepped on. But yeah, that was a that was a pretty scary moment. And and I what the the best part for me is it okay? He's getting carried off, helped off the field, goes right in the tunnel. I'm guessing they went right in, take an X-ray. Maybe not. I don't know. Because it's right there by the end of that tunnel. Yeah, it's really close. Uh, and every NFL stadium has to have X-ray facilities. And so, did they go in and double check, or did he start to feel better as he got up in there? But well, he said it got scanned, so I'm guessing which that's is what X-ray. It was. Yeah. yeah, you're not going to do anything, but yeah, it's, yeah. it's going to be an X-ray. All right. So the best part is he comes back and he wants he wants he <laughs> put me in, coach, put me in, and. So he might have a few more choice words than that, but you know. No, I don't know. I who knows with him? You no, never no. Know. I think Trevor's probably pretty clean, but uh, <laughs> but I appreciated the toughness factor of uh, of your quarterback. I think there were some choice words coming from the stands, though. I'll say that they wanted him back in, in the, at the time. Patrick Mahomes, okay, yeah, not having a great year, but one of, one of the things that we've learned about Patrick Mahomes over the last couple years. Tough as nails, right? Was going to play through some things, and last year he banged up at the end of the exactly. year. Here we go, right? And that's yeah. that's what's required to play the position. You have to have a toughness factor, and so uh, you know, and you, you figure that he's tough because he played at Clemson. He was a running quarterback, but you sit there and you go, well, you know, I mean, look, this is the NFL. It's a little harder, a little bit more physical. But to see him come back and say, "Put me in," I mean, that's okay. Now, you know, you always wonder and you always think. You know, is our quarterback tough? Because you need to be tough to be able to play the game. And uh, I don't think there's any question. He's he's a tough guy. And, that, and when your quarterback is tough, that permeates through the rest of the team. If this guy's out here on one leg, I better start catching the football on the other end. There were a couple instances where well, it yeah, didn't we, happen the oh, other yeah. day. We're here. Oh, gosh. throws around, Bethard makes a throw in the end zone. A couple other like that. that hey, in a tight game – like it, you know, it, you're hoping you're going to be in a lot of times. There's not a lot of margin for error yeah, you for got, this well, team. You got to make, make some plays. Got to make plays, and and quarterbacks got to make some plays too. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Marvin Marvin Jones Jr. had a great kind of double move on the corner, a little stutter go late in the game. 
start or go, okay, which would have put it away. I mean, you score a touchdown in a game like that, it's like, okay, here we go, victory. And uh, Trevor overshoots him. And, uh, you know, so – and then some of the short stuff that, you know, that he can be a little bit better at. So, you know, and that's – Both ways then. Yeah, Yeah. it works works both ways. And and the more experience he gets, the more anticipation he has, the more accuracy he will have. And and he's admitted that something – that's something that he needs to work on, which is the accuracy. But – Part of the accuracy is just not the physical throwing of the football. It's the anticipation and, to, and the mental mechanics that you go through before the decision to let the ball loose happens, and that will, that will speed up for him. I think the Jaguars missed James Robinson last week. Carlos Hyde was uh, in the game as the starter, 21 carries, 67 yards, 3.2 average, and fumbled the football away down in the red zone as well. Yeah, and uh, – I mean, the reality is that uh, James Robinson is a, is a he's a top five back in the league. I mean that's and I don't think there's any question about that. And I and I will tell you this: his importance to this football team having a young quarterback might be uh, maybe greater than any running back around in the league. So yeah, you you need him. I was a little disappointed. I'll tell you that. I'll be honest. I didn't like the fact that they were working him out before the game to determine At whether all. or not he's going to play. You said just forget it. No. Just sit out. I mean, look, it, when you have a player that that's that's that has that importance level to a team, that it can't be a game day decision. It can't be. You know, you you got to you got to it's got to be a little bit bigger picture than that. And uh you know, and when when he comes out to do his thing, we're on our radio booth, so we get to see this. And it was after literally after watching for just a minute, you could tell that he was not ready. And uh, so, but nonetheless, I mean, he didn't play, so I mean, it all worked out. But you know, he and, and hopefully he'll be ready this week. But here's the reality: mm-hmm. if if it's a question, you got to remember, there's a lot of football left to be played. Eight games after this one, and he's your he's your best offensive yeah. player right now. So you got to say. When you, when you start trying to make a decision, you have to remember those things. Plenty ahead on Jaguars Happy Hour. When we return, we'll take an early look at the Indianapolis Colts. It's a good team. The record is 4-5, and five, but they have some things they do very well. And we'll get on both sides of the football. A little later, we'll get into the Baptist Health Injury Report, take a look at the AFC South standings. Then at 5 o'clock... It's the Urban Meyer Show on the Jaguars Radio Network. This is Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Hard Rock Sportsbook Digital Network. Jaguars Happy Hour is brought to you by TIAA Bank. Turn potential into progress. And by Publix, where shopping is a pleasure. You're not going nowhere. Uh, You know... We got to build. We're going to build on this. You know, we're not. I'm, I'm, t- I'm glad. You know, what I'm saying I'm not up here saying, "Oh, we got to do better." We got to no. You know, what I'm saying when we are on our stuff, you know, what I'm saying we can be a really great defense, and it showed today. You know, what I'm saying our, our defense line can go against any offensive line any time of the week. You know what I mean? Any offense, stop any run, stop any pass, and you know we did what we needed to do, and hopefully we got to capitalize this, get better um, Tuesday or Wednesday, and uh, go out here with the mindset, we gotta, we got to beat the coach and get better and uh, win the game. 
That is Josh Allen, Jaguars defensive end and outside linebacker. After the game this past Sunday, a win over the Buffalo Bills with the defense dominated. And welcome back. It's Jaguars happy hour. Jaguars game day broadcasts are presented by Star Credit Union. J.P. Shadrick with Jeff Lagerman. How about the threads on Josh Allen you know, there? He's um, got, the, got the teal jacket going. Man, I mean, sporty. Sporty. Josh, Josh is uh, – He's kind of he's kind of one of the most interesting men in the world kind of look thing going on. Because I'll say, you know, if anybody knows style, it's Jeff Lagerman. Well, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> Just say, yeah, okay, yeah. maybe I'm wrong on that one, right? Okay, yeah, I, I'm, it's, I am, it's not camo. I am the no. fur, furthest thing from being knowledgeable on style. I, this is yeah, yeah. If it's camouflage or orange, you know, or a mix of those two, camo. You, I know you know all about I know that. Camo. There's all kind of different types of camo. Yeah, we'll I, save that for the outdoor show. I, I, I do okay, but I, I know camo best. <laughs> Let's take a look at the Indianapolis Colts. And the Colts are four and five. You know they're trying to, uh, you know, walk down the Tennessee Titans to the AFC South. That's not going to be so easy the way the Titans played. We'll get to the. Uh, the division results a little bit later, but the Colts, you know, they've got a running game and their offense ranks right up there among the best in the run game this year. Fifth in the National Football League in rushing offense, 12th in total offense, um, third downs, middle of the pack scoring, though, they're top 10 in the league. They get they get points. They can put it in the end zone. Jonathan Taylor is a big reason why, though, the running back out of Wisconsin. He's the second leading rusher in the NFL right now behind Derrick Henry, and he's a little over 100 yards away from surpassing him. Henry's out for a while, and let's hope this is not the week he overtakes Derrick Henry in that department. But this is Jonathan Taylor's world. Carson Wentz just seems to kind of be living in it and managing it, I think. That's the goal, at least, in Indianapolis. I don't think they want to put it in Carson's hands all the time. They don't have, like, the – the stable of playmakers outside they might have had in the past in Indianapolis. This is a running offense, and it's Jonathan Taylor's world. Well, they've got a, a very good offensive line. And if you put too much pressure on Carson Wentz, he can make some throws that just make you go, what are you thinking? Yeah, right. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, Josh Allen had one this past weekend that he threw to Josh Allen that was highly questionable. He kind of throws it up. Under heat, had to run, duress. Yeah, oh, he just kind of, without looking, throws it in the general direction of where his guy was And Wentz be. had one of those in overtime a couple weeks ago. It was terrible. Uh, what is going on? It was terrible. What are you doing? I know the exact one you're talking about because that's the one that I saw. Oh. And it was literally, he almost lost the game for him, right? I mean, that's the, the literally almost lost the game for him. And uh, he, it's amazing to me that, just a matter of a couple years ago, he was being talked about about the next great quarterback. I mean, literally, the heir apparent to to the Peyton Manning, Tom Brady in the National Football League. And then all of a sudden, he just he just falls off a cliff performance wise, and he's not able to get it back. And, uh, th- that did lose the game for him. Is that that led to the game-winning field goal? Okay, yeah. and then yeah. uh, so he has an opportunity to reunite with his former coach in Philadelphia, That's Frank right. Reich, who is now the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, and I, and it and it's a it's the perfect fit for him. You know, look, I hope he does well. 
you know, but not this week. You Just know, but I hope week. he does well in his career. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know, I don't ever root for anybody to, to to not have great success unless they're playing with the Jag, playing against the Jaguars. But I mean, look, I want him to do well. But I mean, it's it's a great opportunity for him to go to where he has uh, where to well, number one where he's wanted, and number two where he's comfortable, and that's a good place for him. He's still got a ways to go, and he started the season out. He had ankle. And foot injuries, I think it was, and it was it, you could tell he wasn't running a hundred percent, and he still doesn't look back to a hundred percent because the Carson Wentz that uh, that I've seen run healthy runs better than how he's running right now. Well, that's been the story of his career: the injuries. He had the ACL a few years ago, and then that changed everything with Foles coming in in Philly, and then that that's been the story of his his career. You touched on it, though. The offensive line's where it's at. I mean, that left guard is, we know that from the, the last few years. Quentin Nelson, that's a handful. There's not many offensive linemen that literally that I would say are the worth the price of admission in football. And I think Quentin Nelson is one of those guys. Uh, I mean, he is, uh, and, I, and I haven't had a chance to watch him. And I'll get, I'll get a, a, a chance to watch a lot of film on him this week. And, and, and he was I banged up early in the year. Right? Uh, yeah, he missed yeah. some time. Yeah. I don't remember if it was a back or, or something. He had something going on, so he's just getting back into the flow of things. But when he plays, there's when he played and he has been at his best, who would you compare him to? Larry Allen? Steve Hutchinson? Oh, wow. Okay. I mean, they, these are Hall of Fame type guys now. I mean, that's that's kind of where he plays at. I mean, he's that good. Big, leader, physical. Can pull, yeah. which is he can move. That's the thing. Which three hundred and thirty pounds, three hundred and thirty pounds. It pulls like he's a you know two hundred ninety pound guard, no problem. So and <laughs> he screams when oh, he's yeah. getting ready to hit guys. But yeah, you know, that was a couple of years ago when he was a rookie. I think it was, and he was on a pull play. And he's, yeah, I think that was a fake video though. No, that they, was not. They took it back. The cultural, yeah, we we faked it. That was not real. That was real. It was not real. Get out of here. I'm serious. For real. Uh, it's for real. Not the video. That was for, for real. Yeah. The hollering. Correct. No, that was not fake. Not, it was fake. No. We'll look it up. I don't believe that. Let's take a timeout. We'll look it up. No, we'll, we'll come back. No, no, no. no we're not going to take a timeout yet. We'll, we'll, um, we'll look that up in the next break. I want to do that. Uh, we will. Because I think I'm you're, right. You're, so, like, my, what I'm thinking of Quentin Nelson. I'll put a dollar on it. It's all fake. I'll put a dollar I'll on it. I'll bet you a dollar. Okay, fine. Is right. that allowed? I don't know know. if that's allowed. Uh, defense. Let's move along. Colts defense. Okay. Uh, this is a group now. Uh, I like their coach. Faced off against the Bills last week. Another really good defense. You know, statistically, eh, whatever. 20th overall. Uh, pretty good against the run per play. You know, but they take the ball away more than anybody in football. 20 takeaways, 10 fumbles, 10 interceptions. And it's Darius Leonard punching that ball out. Four different forced fumbles this year for him. The linebacker, they've got a, a few different guys with the interceptions. They're they're a solid group. They have a, a good off a good defensive line with DeForest Buckner, a former first round pick up there. And you got Leonard back there behind him. This group can get it done. Yeah, it. I like I said, I'll, I'll start with the, with the coordinator because I think he does a really good job, Matt Eberflus. I hope I pronounced his name properly because I want to make sure I give him the respect that he deserves. He's been, I think, a, a constant for the Colts, even though that they've had some change with their offensive coordinator because okay, they got a coordinator that's now the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, I believe. Sirianni came from the Colts, 
So they have been wildly consistent. And at some point when this new era and popularity of, of getting the next great offensive mind to be the head coach, somebody's going to look at Matt Eberfless and go, this guy has been wildly consistent and successful as a defensive coach. We need to take a look at him. But he's not fancy, but he gets guys to play at a high level for him. And I think that's the thing that I appreciate most about him. And uh, this defense has some good football players on it too. Don't don't you know take my thoughts on that differently as to thinking that he's making magic out of nothing, because Darius Leonard is arguably the best middle linebacker in football. He intercepts the ball. He causes fumbles. He makes tackles everywhere. He is an All Pro. He is All World, and. <laughs> He's got a guy playing up in front of him, DeForest Buckner, who they were able to get in free agency, giving up a number one pick to the San Francisco 49ers. And Buckner is a stud. He's six foot six, six foot seven, you know, 295 pounds, 300 pounds. He's long, he's strong, he moves well. He's got uh, uh, the ability to anticipate. And him paired with Grover Stewart, who's the other defensive tackle, they're a pretty good group. Now, they're a little young on the edges. You know, they got a first-round pick, Quiddy Pay and Al-Kadi Muhammad and uh, Kamiko Ture, ben, uh, Banigou, Banigou, I think is how you pronounce his name. These guys are all fairly new to it. And then they've got a second-round pick out of Vanderbilt that is playing defensive end. So they're young on the edges. But the, the two guys in the middle now, Stewart and Buckner, they're for real. Yeah, that's where it all begins there. Uh, you got your wallet? Might want to get it out. <laughs> Did I lose? You lost. Are you uh, sure? Yeah, because that was against the Jaguars. He pulled against Barry Church. Yeah. And then they asked about it. it they, you know, they put it out there as a viral video. This is back in, gosh, 2018. Okay. And it was Nelson pulling and running over Barry Church, and it had him screaming on the play. So yeah. they asked him about it, and uh, Quentin Nelson told reporters that Tuesday after that he did not yell on the play. He said it got pretty viral on the internet, which was cool. I wasn't yelling, not on that play. I don't know how it got amped up. And the Indianapolis Star reported that the Colts video department added screaming into the video clip for fun. <laughs> so that's a wow. George Washington coming my way. All right. That's uh how about that. That's so wrong, though, that they did that. <laughs> See, I, I'm just telling you what happened. Well, so. I mean, I can tell you this. That video kind of helped build the legend. Yeah, that right? might have been part of the idea. I mean, I don't, I don't know. know. It worked. I mean, you know what he needs to do? He needs to start yelling and screaming like that all the time on the field. <laughs> Maybe if he's going to play like that, then they might want him to do that all the time. Yeah. Uh, let's come back in a moment. We'll get to the injury report. We will go around the AFC South, look at the results and the standings and all of that coming up. We'll also hear from Urban Meyer again. If you're looking for the MVP of the truck game, then look no further than Ford F-150. Loaded with impressive capability and designed to dominate work, play, and everything in between, this truck makes tough look easy. No wonder it's the official truck of the NFL and proud partner of your Jacksonville Jaguars and its Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Hard Rock Sportsbook Digital Network. Smoot and Josh Allen, I'm going to kind of clump those guys together. Josh, at the end of the season last year, was 240 pounds. He's now 260, over 260. You know, our star, I just love bragging about Schlegel and Fergie and our sports performance team. And same with uh, Smoot, we put him on a four-day-a-week lifting. He's getting stronger during the season. Usually the wear and tear, especially linemen, go in reverse. Our guys are getting stronger. 
and it's a credit to most importantly the players, but also that group of people that we put together. We're a stronger team right now than we were early in the year, which that usually doesn't happen. That's head coach Urban Meyer earlier this week on Monday. You'll hear more from Urban coming up on the, you guessed it, the Urban Meyer Show on the Jaguars Radio Network. That's at 5 o'clock, 10 minutes from right now. This is Jaguars Happy Hour. I'm J.P. Shadrick. That's Jeff Lagerman. The Jags get the Indianapolis Colts. And veterans choose VA for the benefits you've earned. Visit choose.va.gov. Well, you know, uh, there's all this officiating talk going on around the league today (laughs) after Monday Night Football last night. Yeah, well, we're going to see that guy in Indianapolis this weekend. Yeah, Tony Corrente. You know, I didn't watch it when it happened, seeing all the – the videos and stuff afterward. That, that's been a, it's a new emphasis this year, though. The taunting rule, it's been a, a topic of conversation all year because mm-hmm. it just adds something else to the plate. Official, officials have an incredibly tough, tough gig each week, obviously. But, sure. Um, it just adds I didn't see it, by the way. I was, I was already in, in bed. That's past my bedtime. But I, I saw the replay of it. And, um, by the way, for people that were wondering, Cassius Marsh. Yep, he was here. Was here. Mm-hmm. Okay, his father is Curtis Marsh, who played for the Jaguars back in the early days with me. And he was a very talented young receiver. And uh, so anyway, uh, in, my, in my mind, and I'm, a, I'm one of the biggest proponents of taking taunting out of the game, that's, that's not taunting. Taking the the actual taunting out, not the call of taunting. You want it to be called. Yeah, I want it to okay, be called. I'm, that's what I'm saying. But I'm saying yeah. what he did in that game was not what I considered taunting. I think taunting, you, there has to be a proximity to another person that's kind of in your face. If you're standing 20 yards away from a group of people and you're putting your hands on your hips and you're just kind of – Get them the old stank eye. That's not taunting, okay? Come on. And then here's the thing. If that was, okay, taunting, throw the flag right then and there. Yeah. Don't wait until you kind of lean into them anticipating a little contact and then throw your flag. The flag should have been thrown long before any contact with the official happened. And it's not like Cassius Marsh initiated the contact. He's not even really paying attention to where the, the official is at. The, the official kind of leans into him, maybe bracing for contact. And, and for whatever reason, Corrente's kind of got a beef with this player for what he did. And he's just you know waiting. Oh, yeah, you bump into me or you touch me. I'm going to throw my flag after you staring down the sideline. I mean, come on. Yeah. Well, he claimed after the terrible. game to the AP reporter, the pool reporter. I don't care what he says. Whatever he says is a bunch of garbage. Okay. Well, Total garbage. And the league the league needs to have a conversation with him. Seriously. Because BS. if that were reversed, if a player backs kind of leans into an official, I mean, it, it, it would be highly criticized. Yeah. Right? Oh, sure. Yeah. So, look, officials – look, I know officials have a hard job. And official, but here's the reality. Officials can make mistakes, too. That's, everybody's they're human not, out there. They're not immune. We don't have robots. They're not immune. Nope. So uh, I think that the league na- needs to have a little conversation and say, okay, if it was taunting, why did you wait to throw the flag once you leaned back kind of into him? Why? I mean, why? Yeah. He, he he was already leaving what you considered taunting. He was he was already done with it. Most of the time, 
when somebody taunts, as soon as the taunting action is, is initiated, yeah. the official looks at it, grabs the uh, yellow flag, and then throws it. Like if I was breaking away on a touchdown, which I often do, by the way, I, I w- if I pointed at you um, on the way to the end zone, that would be considered taunting. Throw the flag right there. Boom. There you go. Right at the, I mean, as soon as that point happens. If I held the football out in your face in the end zone, that's taunting. Boom. Flag. Right? Throwing it. Immediately. Immediately. Not, not when I run back to the bench. Okay, you go and you stick the ball in my face and you turn around and you walk 15 yards away and then I look at you and I go, oh, now I'm going to throw it. <laughs> yeah, that's one of those. What are we doing? We'll see what happens with it, but uh, yeah, you're right. Uh, Football Zebras, I think, is the, the Twitter handle or something to that effect that has uh, an insight to a lot of officiating and, and all that, and they have all the, the, um, the referees' assignments for the week that they okay. announce on Tuesdays, so okay. that, that came out Did today. they make any comment about this call? I, I didn't look through it all the way. I just saw that Corinthians going to be on the Jags game this okay. week. So that, there you go. Well, uh, you know, here, here's what the league does, mm-hmm. and this is not a joke. Okay, when you have some type of controversy, what's the best way to handle it? Put it on a, somewhere that's not going to get a whole lot of eyes. Oh. Okay. I mean, so, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised that the assignment of Jacksonville at Indy was done on purpose because it's a – it's not going to be a game that's going to be broadcast on 60% right. of the country. Yeah, Sunday night football, not, not doing it. Right. Let's uh, move along now to the Baptist Health Injury Report. Baptist Health changing health care for good. And, of course, Monday, head coach Urban Meyer discussed a few different guys that were nicked up last week. Trevor Lawrence, of course, with the lower ankle sprain. But sounds like, at least from what Urban said Monday, he should be okay. No boot or anything. Moving around. We'll ask um, Urban coming up in just a little bit and see what he has to say. Uh, James Robinson, same idea. Heel issue. You know, was going pregame, trying to go, couldn't do it. Cam Robinson was one that, from all reports, came about 15 or 20 minutes before the game. His back just tightened up on Did he ever come out to the field? I don't think so. I never saw him. I don't think so. So wow. uh, Walker Little uh, had to go, and, and, and Urban said after the game it's happened to him before, like that's not a new thing for Cam, so hopefully he's back and ready to go. And, of course, they've added Jay Tufeli to injured reserve now, so uh, that long list continues on the right side. Maybe at some point in the next few weeks we might see Linder come back in the fold, it, hopefully, you know, because well, the knee thing's d- done now at least a couple weeks ago. The well, high it was ankle. A, it was, yeah, it was an ankle the, and knee. You know, I, I mean, know. typically – uh, the high ankle, I think, is like six to eight. Yeah. Right? Is that, yeah. I mean, time four to six, maybe? Yeah, if you're really lucky. I yeah. think it's longer to six to eight. So, I mean, how many weeks is it now? It's, it's, we're four? pushing about five, four or five. Counting the right? bye? Yeah. Uh, five. Which game was he injured in? I don't remember. I mean, it was early. Um, really early. Week three? Uh, Tawan Taylor missed a block. I remember that. I want to say it was uh, Cincinnati? Either way, in the next month, you you might be able if if things are going well to him to to see him uh, back on it. Um, so um, apparently, oh, it was that. Yeah, that's a that's I'm a good f- one. I'll we'll look it up. We'll I'll look find it up. out. Let's I'll take a look out. at the AFC South results uh, from this past weekend. Of course, around the division, the Jaguars, of course, knocked off the Buffalo Bills. We know that one. We were here nine to six. The Colts over the Jets on Thursday, forty five. 30, the final score. Jonathan Taylor 
with 172 yards. He broke away for a 70-yarder in that game for a score, one of two touchdowns for him. Carson Wentz threw three touchdown passes, and uh, the defense stood up big again for the Colts. The Dolphins over the Texans, 17-9. Tyrod Taylor for Houston threw three interceptions in his return to the lineup. The Texans haven't won since they beat the Jaguars back in week one. And then the Titans over the Rams, 28-16. Simmons on the D-line with six tackles and three sacks. Kevin Byard, we know him well, had an interception return for a touchdown for the Titans, and they don't need Derrick Henry right now. They could use him, obviously, but they came out and just beat the hell out of the Rams on Sunday night football. So we look at the AFC South standings after week nine, and as you would expect, Titans at the top leading the way and still leading the way by a good amount over the Indianapolis Colts. Tennessee 7-2, and two, Indy 4-5, and five, Jacksonville 2-6, and six, Houston at 1-8. and eight. The upcoming schedules, well, they're as difficult as they have been, of course, in the weeks prior. The Jaguars uh, do not have a bye week the rest of the way. They've already had theirs. Texans on a bye this week. The Titans are against the New Orleans Saints this week in week number 10. That's in Nashville, Tennessee. And by the way, uh, Leonard was hurt in the Tennessee game. Ah. Um, so. Got it. If uh, So if he was hurt in the Tennessee game, I want to make sure I got this correct. Yeah. Because he was placed on IR for the Miami game. So that Miami, so that's one week, two weeks. By week three, Buffalo four. So we're this on one, the fifth. We're on the fifth right now. So there's so. no official word on that. Just I was looking at the list and you know starting center. They're just trying to get an idea yeah. for you know when and if he may be back. You know, so I mean, like like we said, you know, it can be six ish six ish weeks or more for a high ankle. So at best, you know, maybe have a chance next week. Yeah. Maybe Thanksgiving, you know. maybe more. more yeah, likely. so we'll see. All right, coming up next, the Urban Meyer Show. We'll hear from the Jaguars head coach as we do each and every Tuesday afternoon, getting his head about the Jaguars' victory over the Buffalo Bills. That's coming up on the Jaguars radio network. This has been Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Hard Rock Sportsbook Digital Network.